Hello and welcome to the Telehealth OT podcast where occupational therapists, parents, caregivers, and patients share their telehealth stories. My name is Dr. Reina Oliveira and I am the owner of Telehealth OT Services where we specialize in working with children with autism and also provide education and trainings to occupational therapists about telehealth. I have been able to share my story with the world and now I am extremely happy to give others the opportunity to do the same. Our guest here today is Kristen Goodrich, and I am so happy to have someone who have actually gotten a chance to get to know online, not in person. Um, but yeah, like I think you're the first person who's not pretty much a complete stranger that I've had on the <laughs> podcast. So I'm so happy to have you. I'm just going to tell everyone real quick how um, we met. We met through one of the OT groups, I believe, the OT Entrepreneurs Facebook group. Um, where you were posting about your awesome book, which you can share um, details about it a little bit later. And then um, you were inviting people to your group, which is also super fantastic. And that's how we met. Now um, you are one of the presenters for the Accelerator program. And I just love chatting with you. So I'm happy to have you here and sharing your telehealth journey. So Kristen, tell us how you got started with occupational therapy. All right. Well, thank you for having me. So I got started with OT um, when I was a teenager and my mom, or not my mom, my grandmother needed OT. So she found an OT that she really, really liked because she wanted to learn how to write again. And it literally changed her life and brought her joy to be able to write letters to her family again. And I thought it was so cool that an OT could teach someone something that seemed so minor to others, but it literally changed her life and it made the end of her life so much more special. Um, So I started looking at OT programs at that point and applied to BU and got in and was so excited. So I went to Boston University and uh, graduated back in 2003. That's pretty much how I got into OT, and I've been an OT since then, and I've worked in school systems, early intervention, rehab, skilled nursing, acute care, home health, outpatient pediatric therapy. So now I am settled in as a private practitioner with my own outpatient pediatric therapy clinic, and right now due to COVID, I had to quickly learn how to do telehealth and very, very thankful for Raina because she crash coursed me on it. I ordered her book. I had it ASAP back in March and learned how to do telehealth really, really fast. So, um, so right now I'm doing mostly telehealth for my pediatric caseload. That is great. Yeah. You were one of the first people that were in my um, live Q and a group, which actually stemmed from your idea that I, that people <laughs> needed help. Like everyone who was a clinic owner was so lost and just really was like screaming for help. And, you know, I'm glad that I had the opportunity to facilitate that and get you guys like up and running because I can only imagine as a business owner, what you felt like during mm-hmm. COVID when everything was shutting down. Yeah. I mean, back then I think about it, I had never even been on zoom before. 
Oh, so, wow. you know, back in mid-March, your course was the first time I was on Zoom. Oh and my I gosh. I to like turn on the camera and to talk and it was so weird. And just that alone was a huge step for me. Um, and a big part of it too, as an OT was, I just couldn't understand how a session could happen because I'm so hands-on as we all are, you know, it's so hard to even picture how we would do this. So Raina gave us really good, actionable, tangible ideas during that session. Um, and it was fantastic because it really got me confident enough to do it. I didn't know that was your first time on zoom. That is yeah. wild. And now like zoom is life. Like we depend on it like yes. water. I know now everybody has been on zoom. So it's weird to think that just six months ago, it was so um, foreign to so many of us. Wow. So talk to us about the transition for your families, like that you worked with that were used to coming in person. What did you have to tell them, talk them through? Yeah. So one of the first things I did was send out an email just saying that I made a choice as a business owner to provide services via telehealth for the time being back in March. Um, out of the families that I was servicing, about a third chose to try telehealth and we tried it and it worked really, really well for most of the kids. Um, at the time, insurance was still catching up with telehealth legislation. So we were really, really lucky with the timing because in New Hampshire, where I'm based, we had some legislation that was passed and enacted in January of 2020 to allow for telehealth services for OT. So it was just pure luck. Um, so because of that, I was able to provide it. The catch was that insurance hadn't caught up yet. So um, we billed it and then weren't paid. And thankfully, our governor passed legislation to mandate that insurance pay for telehealth and not only pay for it, but pay for it at the same rate as in-person visits. Because prior to this, apparently telehealth was frequently paid out at a lower rate, which is a bummer because you're doing the same amount of work. Um, so he enacted that temporary emergency bill and then he made it permanent in late July, which was so exciting because we were all worried that it would end. And now it's permanent. All of the insurers are required to cover it in New Hampshire at the same rate as in person and it's done. And so as a result, I've been able to continue to be self-employed. I've been continued to see clients. I've had tons of referrals. I think that what happened was, you know, at first a lot of us were thinking two weeks and then it, as it, time went on, we realized this is going to go on for a while. And um, I ended up getting referrals, especially for families struggling with behavior during COVID in homeschooling. So, um, you know, one of my specialties is behavior with kids. So I was helping a lot of families with that too, which is great via telehealth. It's actually a wonderful medium for that. Yeah. So what kind of telehealth treatment style are you providing? So I always talk about, I use a parent coaching model. There are um, OTs that deal directly with a child on camera. What is your style? So I'm doing direct with the clients. Um, part of it's probably due to insurance mandates. I need to be doing direct client care. 
Um, but it works really well. So I'm working directly with my clients who tend to be between six and 14. That's kind of the age range that I'm seeing working really well with telehealth. Um, and I work with them. We watch videos together, like we screen share, um, videos on zoom. We do, um, I love Adam, the OT. He saves me <laughs> so much. If you're an OT and you use YouTube and you're doing telehealth, subscribe to his channel. He's phenomenal. He uses household objects to cover like every treatment goal he and it looks super awesome. creative. <laughs> yeah. He's fantastic. I'm trying to get him on the podcast. The time difference is not playing in our favor, but he'll be a, a guest in the future for sure. Yeah. So there's, it's like, we've gotten, you know, this whole world of possibilities has opened. Um, I've learned to use my own super flex thinking in order to try to tap into resources for telehealth, like boom cards and um, just a lot of like the YouTube videos, like we'll listen to maybe calming Minecraft music while we talk about something or while we draw um, and talk about how our body feels. We do a lot of indoor recess on Go Noodle if we have wiggles in our body that we need to get out. Simple biofeedback. So, you know, we feel our heartbeat and think about our breathing before we do our Go Noodle and talk about whether our heartbeat is quiet or loud, fast or slow. Then we might do our Go Noodle and discuss how our heart rate changed and then we talk about, you know, interoceptive kind of um, concepts that I've learned through Kelly Mahler, uh, Mailer. I don't know how to say her last name, but she's an OT who does a whole interoceptive unit. Um, and I follow her, M-A-H-L-E-R. <laughs> I was going to say, I thought you were talking about Kelly Bynes. She's a sensory, um, she's the one based in Canada and does like a lot of sensory education, not her. Not her, Kelly, M-A-H-L-E-R. I'm so sorry. I'm not saying your last name right. <laughs> but she has this awesome interoception curriculum, and it's for all ages. And it helps people become more in tune with their interoceptive um, cues and needs. So I work a lot with kids with, with those needs when we work on self-regulation. So it's all done beautifully via telehealth. And I've even gone into Calm Down Corners with kids in telehealth like they take their little laptop or tablet into the calm down corner the parents right outside um you know we're talking about like what's working and you know maybe what we could add to the little calm down corner to help the child self-regulate but it's it's pretty cool being able to be in a house with kids yeah pandemic yeah, I've been um, hearing a lot of OTs talk about that they are helping parents with like that home modification type mm -hmm. of um, OT, which is great for this, like setting up that calm down corner. What does that look like? Like you can describe it in the clinic all the time, but if you can mm -hmm. actually like look in their house, see what cushions or lights or whatever they have mm -hmm. and just like make those suggestions like right there. It's so good. It's so good. It is. Even last week I was telling someone, I said, you know, the lights that are on right now are really kind of jarring. I think that if we turn them out and turn on that table lamp over there in the corner, cause I'm with them in the room and I can see it, Yeah. Um, you know, that that might increase attention and it did. So, you know, you can be present and really pick up on all the environmental cues and needs, which is really cool. 
That's awesome. I love it. I, oh, you described, first of all, so many awesome tools. So I hope if whoever's listening wrote all these down because I, I started like really simple with nothing, but now I help people, you know, use all the technology and there's so many choices now, like everything you mentioned, the YouTube videos, there's so many different types, the boom carts, the green screen. Like, so if you're, if it's not working, like try something new and innovative and just like implement it because there's so many things that were not available when I first started. And mm-hmm. it's been amazing to watch the telehealth space grow like that. Um, one thing that you mentioned that, that I want to touch on is like relating to these kids. So you mentioned the um, Minecraft music and I immediately think like you're relating to that child who likes Minecraft and not just choosing like ocean sounds. You're choosing Mm -hmm. something that's really, um, you know, relatable to them. So how would you describe building relationships with your kiddos like online in comparison to in the clinic? All right, I want to take a brief pause from this awesome episode to tell you about Better Telehealth. Better Telehealth is a HIPAA-compliant telehealth platform that uses a per-call fee instead of a monthly subscription. This is great for OT entrepreneurs who want the flexibility of only getting charged when they actually use the platform. Better Telehealth has great features, including appointment reminders, digital sign-off of the consent to treat form, as well as troubleshooting for audio and video for your client. Check out the link in the show notes for more information. And now, back to the show. Yeah, that's something I was really worried about at first. Um, But surprisingly, it's been very smooth. I think that as we get further into the current situation that we're in, we're all becoming so much more comfortable with the Zoom and um, just, you know, telecommunications. And I think what happens for some kids there are some kids that might have some anxiety in person, some social anxiety, and they might feel anxious because my gym is a new space, my building's a new space, there were transitions to get there. And when we're on telehealth, they're in their safe spot at home, their parents present, I'm on a screen. So for a lot of kids, I think it eliminates a lot of that social anxiety. Yeah. And they've warmed up really, really fast. It's like, it's actually shocking to me still when I have an eval and I click with them and we're laughing, you know, and we're on a screen. It's something I honestly didn't foresee happening regularly when this started. So it's, it's really, really cool. Well, I'm glad you brought up evaluations because that's actually where my head was headed next to. It's like, mm-hmm. I remember in the clinic doing evaluations and I was talking to someone recently about like st- standard evaluations versus just like a checklist and how I don't really use standard evaluations because I don't take insurance. So I don't have mm-hmm. to prove that to anybody, but also because in the clinic, that evaluation was, day was almost always so different than the next day and the following that I was like, this isn't a good measure of what this child is like, because that first session is so intense and Mm -hmm. so scary. And so I'm wondering, like, do you feel like evaluations now are a little bit more, um, you know, in tune with how the child is like the following sessions? Yeah, I definitely, I've always been one, just like you're saying, I've always been one to take the evaluation results with a grain of salt, knowing that I'm new, my clinic's new, the stuff I'm having this kid do is like not that fun. So 
a lot of the results might be accurate and a lot of the results might not be accurate. Right. So it, it's definitely important to continually reassess a kid, whether you're in the clinic or on telehealth, seeing them in person in their house, you know, it does allow me to see what they're like in a natural environment, what the family is like, what the background noise and the general vibe is like at home. I can see, um, you know, how the parents manage behaviors in real time versus being at a clinic and having everybody be on their, you know, best behavior. Yeah. So that's helpful. I have yet to use Q Global through Pearson, but it's something I've heard people have liked a lot. It mm-hmm. allows you to do assessments via telehealth. The assessments I've done, I will, because I have so many forms still, I'll actually physically drop off forms in someone's mailbox. Okay. Like um, the very VMI and then yeah. have them fill it out with me on telehealth. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I do a lot of functional assessments. Um, the role assessment of, um, activities of daily life. It's called the real. Yep. That's a great one. Cause it's a parent interview, but it's, um, actual functional tests and it, um, it is normed out, which is nice, but it, the evaluations were the hardest part for me to get used to. <laughs> yeah. I can definitely understand that people coming from a clinic using like the Peabody or something that requires yeah. like trinkets and gadgets. And all of a sudden you're like, wait a minute, I can't use any of this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. If you don't have the actual testing materials, it's technically not standardized. Exactly. You know, so we technically can't use it without the actual kit, which is a bummer. So we have to think way outside the box, which luckily as OTs we're really good at. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely. There's a lot of, oh, there's a lot of room for us to perfect our ability to be flexible through this whole process. That's for sure. Yep, exactly. I'm like, wait a minute, am I having rock brain right now? You know, how can I spin this situation? So yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, So I think something that OT clinic owners may want to hear from you about is um, your decision to go back in person. So right now you're fully telehealth. So what's going through your mind? Mm-hmm. I'm just kind of taking it day by day. I also have kids at home who are remote learners. So, um, and a husband who works full time. So I'm kind of like the main, the lead parent, as I call it right now. So I just have to be home. I don't really have a choice. Um, with winter coming and everything, my personal opinion is that it's just safer to stay this way rather than like go in person and then reel back and come home and do telehealth. It's the inconsistency for me is hard. Some people are able to switch back and forth with ease, but for me, it would be just harder because of my personality. Yeah. Um, as far as in person, I don't know. (laughs) I think about it every once in a while, you know, and I do get emails from former clients saying, are you back yet? When are you going back? And I don't, I just don't know. Yeah. No, it's a really hard answer. Are you still, and this, this is getting a little personal. Are you still paying rent for a physical building? Mm -hmm. Yep. We're still paying rent. Um, Luckily, you know, the way that our clinic is set up, it's, it's seven PLLCs Mm -hmm. and we all share rent. So rent 
is not much. Oh, good. Um, We set it up in such a way that it's, it's very feasible. And because I'm still doing telehealth, I'm, I still have a sizable caseload. So it's really not a big deal. But yeah, if you, I feel for the practice owners that have teams of therapists under them in multi-thousand dollar a month rents, Mm -hmm. that's a very different situation than I have. Right. And for them, I think the choice to going back in person is much more, um, much less of a choice because it's almost survival at that point. And I'm lucky that our governor passed the whole telehealth bill. Yeah, that's huge. Yeah, there are states where that didn't happen. So everybody's situation is so different. Mm -hmm. So So what did it look like submitting like for insurance in the beginning, Mm -hmm. you know, before all before that was approved? Yeah, so before it was approved, one of the things that I've always done as a business owner is when I have a new insurance or when I have a new billing system, I usually test run it with one kid. So for telehealth, I think I saw eight the first week via telehealth, but I only submitted one for insurance as a little test run and it got denied. So I was very happy I didn't submit the other ones because I would have had to resubmit, which is, um, it's like a, a different process. It's just annoying enough that you don't want to have to do it for seven kids. Yeah. So I kind of held on to the claims waiting for the legislation to pass. Gotcha. Um, I had contacted each insurer and asked them how to bill because some want you to use a modifier and a different location code when you're doing telehealth. So for mine, they wanted me to use location code 02 for telehealth for every insurer that I contract with. Um, And luckily, they all wanted the same modifier, which was GT. Hmm. But I've heard that the more current modifiers, 95. So you know, it's one of those things that you can't really Google it. You have to just contact the insurer and ask how they want you to bill. Mm -hmm. And if you do contract with insurance, I highly, highly recommend finding out who your provider relations representative is. And that person is kind of like a higher up management liaison between the provider and the insurance company. And they'll tell you what to bill. It's different than a rep you get when you call. Gotcha. Um, yeah, much more specialized. So you definitely want to be friends with these people. Yes. Yep. <laughs> Work on building connections. That is like my message for 2020. <laughs> Absolutely. I was so scared of insurance companies and the reps at first. I thought we were like mortal enemies. Yeah. And I realized that um, they actually do want things to go smoothly because their job's harder if it doesn't go smoothly too. Yeah. So. That makes sense. I think you're giving um, us cash-based people like a little bit of hope to maybe go into the insurance (laughs) world. I'm still very, very like reluctant, but yeah. I mean, if it's working, if you're cash-based and you're maintaining a caseload and it's working, like I can see not wanting to upset the apple cart. Yeah. I think my only thing right now is like the Medicaid kiddos that are not getting served, like in my area. And that's a lot of people that I've had to turn away because I'm not a Medicaid Mm -hmm. provider. So like at least maybe going that route is like what I'm thinking, but yeah. um, Yeah. Yeah. I contract with uh, the Medicaid plans in our state. Um, And they're actually, they pay really well in New Hampshire and they're easy to work with, which is nice. But every state's different. Oh, God. Um, 
So let's switch gears a little bit and talk about like Mm -hmm. mompreneur life. So you mentioned you have two kiddos at home and you're the one that's watching them. So how's your, I think your kids are a little bit older. I have little ones, but how's like your caseload and what is a good balance for you with like this Mm -hmm. life of remote learners at home and being um, an entrepreneur, business owner? Yeah. Yeah. It's um, the way we've balanced it is that I see kids while they're in school. So both of my kids remote schooling is set up in such a way that they're on live zoom sessions throughout the day. So it's very interactive with their teachers and it's not very, um, it doesn't require much of parents in our experience with our school systems. Again, everybody's different. Right. So for me, it frees me up to be able to work while they're in school. So I see about 15 kids a week. Um, you know, just via telehealth and I have Fridays off for my admin day, mm-hmm. but, um, but yeah, it works, it works out really well, you know, for our family. So 15 a, a week, mm-hmm. how does that compare to what you're doing in the clinic? Well, in the clinic, I usually saw between like 20 and 24 a week. Okay. So it's definitely been a reduction in my caseload, but it's, um, it still pays the bills yeah. And, you know, allows us to be comfortable, which is nice. So, mm-hmm. yeah. So in New Hampshire, is is um, your kids going back to school like a choice in person or is everyone virtual? Um, it's town by town or district by district. So both of my, my son is in middle school and his school, everybody was remote. My daughter's in elementary school and with their school, they had a choice, but we chose remote. It was easier for us to just have two kids remote um, rather than like have all of us on a different schedule. Mm -hmm. So it's worked out well for them. Right. I love it. Um, So I had this question today from someone who wants to start their own business. And so I'm going to turn it to you. I gave her my answer, but is it (laughs) worth it? Like is, can you leave your employer full-time gig that's like stable, secure benefits, yada, yada, to be an entrepreneur, telehealth or in the clinic, is it worth it? It's so worth it. I could, I am unemployable at this point, but (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Freedom. I could never untaste it. (laughs) I would not want to work for anybody else anymore. I, um, I feel like I put in my time and I was so tired of being pushed to bend ethics or pushed to see too many kids on a caseload or on the flip side, I wasn't provided with, um, consistent caseloads. You know, the Mm -hmm. census would fluctuate at facilities I was at. I would arrive and be sent home because there weren't enough patients that day. So I felt like it was just it was just either like too much or not enough. And the income was so inconsistent for me as an employed therapist. And like I said before, I've worked in every type of setting. So Mm -hmm. like across the board, this happened to me. And as a private practitioner, I started as a side hustle so that I could prove to myself that I could maintain um, a caseload for a certain length of time and I could actually sustain it. And I was able to do that. And my caseload's been consistent, knock on wood, for five years, despite a pandemic. I mean, yeah. if, if it can go through COVID, I, I think know. we're 
<laughs> I know it's so true wow. people are like are there like is there a need for telehealth OD right now I'm like yes 100% and the other thing is you know when you're your own boss doing work feels very different than doing it for an employer so true. Um, I'm not a highly critical person but there were times when I worked for um someone else that I would just think about what I would do differently if I were allowed to make choices there or the even time. the way in a, yeah, like even the way the eval is set up, I would think this doesn't even flow. I wish I could just make my own eval. You can do it all when you're your own boss yeah. you're in charge of making everything flow. So it's intuitive to you. And, um, you know, you treat your customers the way that you want to treat them and it just benefits you in the long run rather than the facility you're working at. And let's be real, we're the ones that make money at facilities. Yeah. We pay management. So because I'm treating a client at a skilled nursing facility, you know, I might be making the facility a lot of money and that pays upper management. Right. They're not generating income. I am. Mm -hmm. So I would rather work for myself and keep the money, um, for myself. Yeah. You brought up so many, so many good points. Like I remember yeah. being in an outpatient peace clinic, we had 30 minutes to do like a full standardized assessment. And like, I, now I'm like, no way. Like my evaluations, they run over two sessions that are 45 minutes each. And I wouldn't have yeah. it any other way. Like, sorry. Exactly. Like you can provide the, your best practices. You can provide super individualized care and mm -hmm. feel really good about what you're doing and see results. Mm -hmm. it's, yeah. I, like I said, I, I literally couldn't go back yes. to being employed. Yeah, I agree 100%. <laughs> oh, it's been so great having you. Will you tell everyone all of your things, your book, mm -hmm. your group, everything that you're doing? Yeah. So in addition to the private practice, I also um, co-authored a book with my colleague, Susie Curtis, who's a maternal mental health counselor. And we wrote a book on how to start a practice and it's called ready, set, treat. You can get it on Amazon paperback and Kindle. We come from a place where we don't think people should pay a lot of money or take out loans to start a business. So we priced our book accordingly and it's super affordable. And we also have a website, readysettreat.com with all kinds of courses and downloads. We do a walkthrough on billing um, for people to download. It's all, again, priced very, very reasonably. And our coaching is all collaborative Zoom groups. So we can, again, price it so that people can afford it. Um, and we have a group on Facebook, Ready, Set, Treat Academy. So we would love to have anyone who's thinking of starting a practice or already is starting a practice. And we have people of all different stages in that group. It's super supportive, collaborative, and not judgy. <laughs> so oh. true. Your <laughs> group is so fun and everyone's so super helpful and so kind. I haven't seen mm -hmm. one like drama, one anything in there. It's mm -hmm. amazing. You guys do a great job of administrating that group. Yeah, it's actually like a really we're we're in it probably too much, but um, <laughs> it's <laughs> okay. Escape. So if you're in a private practitioner, we'd love to have you. So Ready Set Treat Academy. 
All right. All the links will be in the show notes. You guys can go Mm -hmm. learn more. And Kristen and Susie are super approachable on Facebook and via email. So don't be afraid to reach out to them if you need anything. Thank you so much for being here, Kristen. I love hanging out with you. Well, thank you, Raina. It was my first podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Woohoo! If you're an occupational therapist and you want to know more about telehealth, be sure to join the Telehealth OT Facebook group for more information. I'll catch you on the next episode.